Good morning. It's good to be with you. As Dr. David said, we'll be in Jonah chapter 2, looking at verses 1 through 10. And uh, once you find your place there, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. Jonah chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounding me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the root of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out of the dry land. Let us pray. God, this is your word, and we stand in submission under it, God. We pray that by your spirit working in us, that, Lord, you would open up our eyes to see the glories that are revealed to you about yourself. And that, God, in the story of Jonah, we're seeing our own story play out. How God who pursues wicked sinners and rescues us. God, I pray, Lord, right now that for any of those who have come this morning or watching online in a moment of distress, pain, turmoil, that they would find God here, that they can have rest and hope in the only one who can give salvation, and that is the Lord God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. God, I pray that Christ would be exalted, that truly the one who is in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights brings us great hope in the midst of our distress, and that is your Son, Jesus. Lord, be honored in our study of your word and in our obedience. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you were with us last week, I began to ask you about have you ever been to a place in your life where you have hit rock bottom, and I saw many heads shake. Uh, I think that we've all been in a circumstance or a situation in life where you've hit rock bottom. Whether that may be emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, whatever it may be, you have just come to your wits end and there is nowhere to go from, uh, there's nowhere to go but up. And so you may uh, resonate with that picture of hitting rock bottom. But here's the question that we talked about last week is, have you ever hit rock bottom? And now the question that we're going to talk about this week from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 is this. What do you do when you hit rock bottom? What, what do you do? 
So when you reflect on your life and you see and remember those moments where you just hit rock bottom, just think about it. What did you do at that point? And that is what we're going to get a little picture of today with Jonah, is that Jonah is taken to rock bottom. He is he's as far down as he can get. He is in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the sea. And he has hit his rock bottom. And what we're going to get from today's text is this, is that when Jonah hits rock bottom, he goes nowhere else but the only way that he can go, and that is to the Lord in prayer. That's the only place that he can go at this point. And so what we're going to learn is that in hitting rock bottom, we're going to see Jonah acknowledging his desperation in this, in this distressful moment, and that salvation truly only belongs to the Lord in the midst of distress and desperation and at our rock bottom. And so I want, I want to walk us through three points from this text. Uh, and it's going to be simple. The, the, the title of this morning's sermon is Praying the Psalms in the Pit. And so we're going to look at, number one, is praying in the pit, particular emphasis on in the pit. Second is praying the psalms in the, in the pit. And the third one is a prayer of praise in the pit. So let's, let's look at this. Uh, point number one, looking at verse one, praying in the pit, is that Jonah's response is to pray while he's in the belly of a fish. Uh, you know, we all have humanity. We all have these kind of universal human reactions to things. You know, when you're scared, what do you usually do? Pray. When you're scared, you pray. Or uh, this, let's take it less spiritual. Let's, you know, when you're actually somebody jumps out from behind something, what do you do? Yeah, I don't usually pray right then. I usually scream. Uh, and then I pray for that person that I'm about to kill. Um, and if you, Michelle will tell you about this. I'm really easily spooked. Um, so when a person comes around a corner, ah! you know, I, I will scream, I will yell. Um, you know, as y'all have been in my office, my back has turned and I'm looking out the window. So people all the time sneak up on me and it is not funny. Uh, if you think that's a funny joke to play on me, please, pastor appreciation, don't. Um, so that's a universal human reaction. When you're scared, you're spooked, you jump, you scream, right? When, um, you know, when, you, when you're threatened by something, we typically flinch or something like that. Uh, when, a, uh, when a good joke is told, we typically laugh, right? And so those are natural kind of human reactions that we don't really have to think about. We just do it. You know, when somebody jumps out and scares you, you just... You don't think about, I'm going to jump and scream now. You just, your body just does it. That's what it does. It's kind of, it's inclined to do that. That's the initial reaction. And so it's those reactions that we just don't have to think about. And what's interesting here is the way that Jonah 1 through 2 kind of goes into one another is that in verse 17, we understand that the Lord appoints fish to swallow Jonah, and he's in the fish three days and three nights, and then right goes into chapter 2. And what is Jonah doing? Then Jonah prayed. It's almost like Jonah's natural inclination and reaction to being in this situation was prayer. So just as we jump or get, you know, get spooked or we scream, is that Jonah's initial response when he recognizes that he is in this distressful place and at the rock bottom of the sea is that his natural inclination is not to think about what am I going to do down here because there's nothing else to do than, than what he's doing. But it's actually to pray. Praying in the pit. Look, just look at where Jonah's been. Is that at this point, Jonah's plans have been foiled, right? You know, his, he started off with the goal of this. 
I'm not going to obey God, right? I'm not going to obey him. I'm going to go down to Joppa. I'm going to Tarshish. I'm getting on a boat. I'm paying my fare. I'm going to the bottom of the boat. I'm going to sleep there, and we're going to get, you know, get, we're going to get where we're going. I'm not going to obey God. And now where do we find Jonah? He's in the bottom of a fish's belly. And so uh, some way God is, is going to teach Jonah something that he could not have learned if he was on a ship going to Tarshish or on dry ground. It's actually going to take uh, being in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights to teach Jonah a very hard lesson. And so when Jonah realizes where he's at, he kind of comes and awakens to his senses uh, that he's in the belly of a fish. Jonah recognizes that he's alive, that his last final last-ditch effort, like we talked about last week, that you know Jonah wasn't trying to be kind or, or concerned about the, the, the well-being of the other sailors when he says, throw me overboard. That's Jonah's last-ditch effort. Kill me so I don't have to obey God. Well, when he realizes, daggum, my plan didn't work. Even my last-ditch effort didn't work. He finds out he's in the bottom of a fish and that God has actually kept him alive through a very miraculous event. And so what does he do when he recognizes that he's alive? He prays. Because what other option does he have really at this point than to pray? What other option does he have? And we learn a lot about Jonah and just, uh, just what he's feeling and what he's thinking in this moment uh, in his prayer. And that if you read through here, it, it just sounds like in the first couple of verses, Jonah just feels like he has been banished. Like he's no longer in, uh, basically, in God's eyesight, if you want to say it like that. He feels like he's been exiled. I mean, even to the point where he's describing his current situation, it is like I have died. This is like death, what I'm experiencing. I'm surrounded by weeds and, and, and all these different things. Things are wrapped around my head. I, I am in a pit, in a hole. He says, I'm in the, basically in the belly of Sheol. That is the place of the dead. So he is, he is communicating his experience right now, what has happened to him. It is like I have died. That's, how, that's what this is like, this situation. He feels like he has been banished from God's presence. And, and actually, it kind of it is. Is that if you look here, really interesting word here in verse 4. He says this, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. You know, this is the same word that occurs in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24, when it says that God drove out Adam and Eve from the garden. It's actually the same word that happens in Genesis chapter 4, the next chapter, with Cain. It says that God drove Cain out. And so all these things are saying that Jonah right now feels like he is Adam and Eve, one who has been cast out of the garden, which is where God's presence is. He feels like, he feels like Adam and Eve and like Cain, where he has been pushed out, pushed away because of his disobedience. And that is certainly true at this point. Jonah should feel like this. He is being driven out. He is being banished because of what he has done. Because of his disobedience to God. And so he feels like he's at the point of death. But what he's recognizing, something that we've already recognized so far in the book of Jonah, and something the sailors have already recognized that he hasn't yet, is this. Is that Jonah recognizes that his current state right now, his situation, is because of God. It's because of God's appointment. 
this state of distress and despair that he's in, being in the belly of a fish, it's because of God. Now, we already knew that. We're reading the story right now. We know that God has been all over this book, right? He's hurled the winds. He's appointed the fish. He's done all these things. But now Jonah's coming to that conclusion. Because look at this in verse 3. He says this, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surround me, all your waves. So Jonah's recognizing, I'm in the belly of the fish. I'm in this current state. Because God has put me here. This isn't by coincidence. This isn't by just happenstance. God has the, is the one who has ordained and appointed this very thing. God is the one who has put him in the pit. Right? And so realizing where he's at and what it's like and who put him here, he realizes he's at a point in his life and in a position right now in a situation that he cannot help himself in. Which is why he calls out to God. That he is, he is not in a position right now to save himself out of this scenario, right? Is that he must call out to the only one who can deliver him from the pit, from the belly of the fish. And I would just like to ask you this, Crosspoint. Is that have you ever felt like you were in a position like Jonah? Have you ever felt maybe driven out, banished, distressed? in despair, maybe in a situation, in a place like death, maybe wishing you were in that place, could get out of a current situation. Well, this feeling of banishment, this feeling of, of being driven out, I mean, Jonah's story is kind of like all of our stories, right? A God who has been very clear with his directives to his people, and we said, I'm not going to obey. I'm going to do what I want, and I will do it however I want. And I don't have to listen to you, God. And because of that, that sin, that disobedience, we are driven out of God's presence. We can no longer be in communion, in relationship with him on our own because we have sinned. And this is where Jonah throws. And we are actually what Ephesians says. We are, we are like dead people, right, in our sin. And so Jonah's story is all of our stories, right, in the gospel. And that what we need is God to come be present with us. God to come and take on our sin. To take on our distress and our despair and all of the things that we have brought on ourselves because of our sin. And that is what Christ has done. Right? That yes, Jonah's story of being sinning and being banished is our story. But God enters into our story and he truly does deliver us. And that is the good news of the gospel. And knowing that, knowing that Jonah's story is our story, now we have kind of a directive of what, what do we do now when we get in moments of despair and distress in a pit like this where it seems like we are dead. Well, I would just say this, what we've kind of already hinted at is this, is that for us as Christians, as those who have been delivered from the domain of death by Christ Jesus, is that prayer should be instinctive for us. Prayer should be instinctive for us. I mean, Jesus makes this point. He doesn't say, if you pray. What does he say? When you pray. So if is a conditional statement. Like if you just happen to get to this in the course of your life, 
pray like this. No, he says the regular pattern of the Christian life is to be one of an instinctual prayer. This is what you do. This is how we speak to God. This is what you should regularly be doing. And so prayer for Jonah here is he's swallowed, he's in the belly of the fish. The first thing he thinks to do is, I'm going to pray. I'm going to call out to God. For us, prayer should be instinctual for us. And it shouldn't be instinctual for us just when we're in the belly, right? Just when we're in the pit is that prayer should be instinctual for us whether we're in the belly of the fish or we're on dry land, whether we're in feast or famine, good or bad. Is that sometimes prayer for us is kind of a a last-ditch effort. It's like our last consideration. Is that only when I get desperate enough will I pray and call out to God for help. And you know what? That treats God as if he's kind of like our phone or friend on who wants to be a millionaire. Like, if you can't figure out the answer, that's what they do. They go through all their lifelines. They can't figure out the answer. Okay, I'll call my smart friend in Milwaukee. He he knows this kind of stuff. And that's kind of how we treat God. Is that when we're in a moment of despair, okay, I'm going to try all these things first. I'm going to try all these things, make myself feel better, get myself out of this situation, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps. And the last consideration is this, you know what, I guess I'm going to go to God because I can't figure this out on myself. That is not trust. That is not faith. That is not the instinct that we should have as followers of Jesus Christ. Is that we don't treat God like our lifeline on who wants to be a millionaire, our phone or friend. Is that he is the first phone call, right? He is the first one. Because at what point could we ever do it on our own? Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and get out of this pit of despair. There is none. And so when we treat God like our kind of last consideration, what does that say about God and what does that say about you? And what I would just say is this, is that in those moments of despair, prayer should be instinctual for us. And in those moments of great joy and gladness, and when everything is going well, prayer should be instinctual for us. Whether in feast or in famine, good or bad, in the belly or on dry land, we should say, Let, I'm just going to pray. I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to pray. And thankfully, here at Crosspoint, I, I'm just so blessed by our prayer ministry here that you, we are resourced with things on what to pray for. There is not, <laughs> There is not ever a uh, a lack of prayer needs. A- am I right? There's always something that we can pray for. And that's why the prayer ministry gives out cards and they give out handouts. It's to help us create this pattern and expectation of prayer, not only in our church, but in our individual lives. Is that this is just what we do. We pray, whatever it may be. And so it should be instinctual for us. And so Jonah's intuitive response, instinctual response in the midst of this pit is to pray. But what could Jonah possibly say to God in the belly of a fish? And that's point number two, praying the Psalms in the pit. Have you ever been in maybe an awkward situation where you really didn't know what to say? I've been in it way too many times. Uh, And you just are presented with something and you're just speechless or you stutter, or you try and deflect, or talk about things that you know a lot about. Um, I I mean, this is what I do. If I don't 
If, I, if, if I'm speechless about something, I'm like, mm, the weather's nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about LSU yesterday? Yeah, they stunk. But Alabama got beat, so yeah. Even if it's not on topic at all. Is that just an awkward situation where you're like, I just don't know what to say to you in this moment. I don't have words to to communicate to you. Maybe in a situation where you're dealing with somebody who's going through a deep pain that you just, you can't understand. Right? You don't really know what to say to them. Right? And so... Job is kind of in a similar situation. Is that and you're in the belly of a fish, and you know that God's put you there. What could you possibly want to say to God in the pit that you know that He has put you in, right? And Jonah, Jonah just prays what he knows best. He prays the Bible. That's what he knows best. And so, just look at look at this again, starting in verse two to verse eight. Is that you look at all this language? You consider. Jonah's prayer, and a lot of this language should be familiar to you, because it's all over the Psalms. As Dr. David read this morning, Psalm, was that 34, Dr. David? I mean, Psalm 34 is in here. Similar language, is that it's all over Jonah's prayer. One author says, by the name of Michael Shepard, he says this, he says, Jonah's prayer is a mosaic of Psalms. It's a mosaic of Psalms. It's like a, it's like a, what are those things where you put pictures? Uh, collage, right? It's a collage. It's a collage of psalms. And so it, this is what he's doing. He's, he's pulling language from Psalm 18, from Psalm 16, from Psalm 30, from Psalm 32, Psalm 34, Psalm 66, Psalm 92, Psalm 116, Psalm 118, Psalm 138. And I could have missed one. But this is where he's pulling all this language from here. Just listen to this. Actually, would you mind turning here in your Bibles? Psalm, uh, psalm 18. Psalm 18, starting in verse 4. I just want you to see this language that Jonah is drawing from when he is in the belly of a pit and all he knows is to pray. And now he's got to figure out what he's going to pray. And so what he decides to pray is he decides to pray the thing that he knows best. And that is the Bible. Listen to Psalm 18, 4 through 6. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. I mean, that's all over Jonah. Turn to Psalm 30. Psalm 30, looking at verses 2 through 3. Psalm 30 says this. Verses 2 through 3. Oh, Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. Oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Psalm 116. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read this for you. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompass me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered 
distress, and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Psalm 118.5, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Do you see all this similar language that is in Jonah's prayer? Is that he's in the belly of the fish. And what can you possibly say to this God who has put you in the belly of the fish? And basically what he says is, all I know to pray right now is what I know best, and that is the Bible. That's how I know to talk to God in this situation. And so this is what he does. And so I would just ask you, I think this, this is a really good point for us to take home is that, what do you do when you don't know what to pray? I, and I, I can only assume that it's not just me who have been in a situation like this, where you've sat down, you, you got your coffee, you, you are in a, just a, a, a terrible pickle of some form, you're going through a dire situation, and honestly, you don't even know what to say to God. You don't have any words. You could be mad at God, you be, could be sad with God, you could be happy with God, whatever emotion you're going through, but you just don't know what to say to God. Just don't know what to say to him. Don't know what to say. Well, what Jonah gives us here in Jonah chapter 2 is this. When you don't know what to say, pray the Bible. Pray God's words back to him. And a couple of years ago, you'll remember that conference that we had, Praying the Bible with Donald Whitney. He was, he was really big into this, and he taught us how to pray the Bible. And I, I just think this is a really helpful practice that we can get into. Is that when you don't know what to say to God, just pray the Bible. I'll, let me just give you an example of what this might look like. Everybody's one of everybody's favorite psalms is my grandmother's favorite psalm, Psalm 23. All right? And this is this is what your prayer could sound like. Oh Lord, you are my shepherd. And you are the good shepherd. You know how best to shepherd me and direct me, oh Lord. And so I won't want, I won't be in worry, I won't be concerned. I will trust you that you know where to take me, O oh Lord, who is my shepherd. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. God, you give me peace in the midst of all these things. You give my soul rest, O oh God. Thank you for being one who lies me down in green pastures, who leads me beside still waters who directs me towards righteousness, O oh God, for the glory of your name, for your name's sake, O oh Lord. God, right now, I, I feel like I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but God, I know that with you, who is my shepherd, who gives me rest, I don't have to fear anything evil. God, for you are with me. Your presence is ever before me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. How crazy is that, O oh Lord? Is that when people are attacking me, who are confronting me, who hate me, who want to take my life, God, I'm sitting at a table and I can enjoy a meal without any fear of disruption or harm coming to my life because you are my shepherd, O oh Lord, and you guard me and guide me. This is what your prayer could look like. And it's very simple is that you take God's word and you pray it back when you don't know what to say to God. And when you don't know what to say to God, not only do you have God's word to pray back to him, but you also have God's spirit. So in those moments you don't know what to pray, the spirit is the best helper, as Romans 8 says. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When you don't know what to pray, praise God we have the Spirit and we have God's Word who intercedes on our behalf. And we don't know what to pray. And maybe you can thank God in those moments. God, thank you that even in this moment where I'm utterly speechless to what to say to you, you have given me your word and you have given me your spirit to help me in this moment. And so, when you're in the midst of a pit of despair like Jonah, where God has put you there and you don't know what to say even, this morning, be reminded by Jonah's prayer. Pray God's word and trust God's spirit. And so in praying the Psalms, Jonah prays a different kind of prayer than we would expect here. He prays a prayer of praise. Look at this here in verses 9 and 10. He prays a prayer of praise. I don't, I don't know about uh, most of you, but, well, I do know most of you, I think, in here. But um, some of you, uh, when you buy an object, you see the potential of how many uses you can get out of this object. A use that its primary purpose is not for that thing. But you actually take enjoyment out of, you know, using um, a paper clip for, you know, I don't know, earrings or uh, whatever it may be. I don't know even know if that's in. But, uh, but you, some people in here, they like, they see something and they're like, look at all the things that this, uh, you know, this could do for me. For example, I'll give you some baking soda. This got tons of different purposes, right? Cat litter. It's not just for cats. It can make, it can, <laughs> a kid throws up in your car, you can put cat litter in there. It makes it smell way better. One of our sons spilled paint in our garage. All of our cement. I won't say which one of them, but it wasn't haze. But we put cat litter on it, and it dried it up, right? It dried it up. Duct tape. I mean, what is duct tape even for in the first place if it's not for to fix every... I think doctors are starting to stop using stitches and just use duct tape on people to heal wounds. And so we have all these objects that we have that we can see multi-uses and purposes out of. We don't have to think kind of one-dimensionally about something. that No, this is what it's used for, and this is the only way that it can be used, and this is its only purpose here. And what I find interesting is that I think this is the way in which we should think about Jonah's stay in the belly of the fish. Is that could Jonah's three-day stay in the belly of the fish be for his punishment? but also for his salvation? Because honestly, reading this story, we immediately think, Jonah got swallowed by a fish. Yeah, God wins. He got what he deserved. Yeah, he, Jonah had it coming to him, right? We need that. And honestly, that is true. That's not wrong. Like, we should think that. You know what, Jonah? You ain't got nobody to blame but yourself for getting in the belly of a fish. Because this is certainly Jonah's punishment for his flagrant disobedience of God and his disregard for God's command. And so in this, you'd expect from chapter 2 that, that Jonah would be giving a prayer of confession, confessing his sins for why he's in the belly of a fish. You get, we get that, right? We don't understand that. Or maybe a petition 
petition for help. God, help me. Get me out of this place. Please, please, please. You'd expect that from Jonah's prayer. And we do get little hints of that throughout. But what's really interesting is that at the end of this, in verse 9, but I, with a voice of thanksgiving, 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 Jonah, what? Why would you want to thank God? He puts you in the belly of a fish. Why, why would you thank God for this? And this is what kind of helps us think about this as a kind of, it's, it's a two-edged sword. Is that this fish that Jonah has been swallowed by is not just for Jonah's punishment, but actually it could have been ordained by God for his very salvation. Right? Is it possible that Jonah is being, this fish is being used for Jonah's deliverance, right? And so, because things in the Bible, like fish can have dual purposes, right? The waters that Israel crossed, the waters of the Red Sea, they were, that was Israel's salvation, right? But it was also Egypt's demise and punishment, right? So things can have dual purposes in the Bible, and that's what is here, is that this fish where we think, Oh man, this is just punishment on Jonah. He's getting what he deserved. But actually, maybe it's God's unique way, sovereign, unique way to intervene in Jonah's life and bring about his salvation and restoration. Is that yes, God is the one who put him in the pit, but God will also be the one who gets him out of the pit, who delivers him. Because, and he begins by saying this, is that, man, you heard my prayer, oh God. You, you're, my, my, my concern came to your ears. My distress came to your ears. Verse 6, you brought up my life from the pit. Verse 9, salvation belongs to the Lord. He acknowledges that God is responsible not just for putting Jonah in the pit, but for getting and delivering Jonah from the pit. And this is what God does at the end. We, get, we actually get somebody vomit, or something vomiting in the Bible. And it's the fish. Vomiting Jonah, Jonah's deliverance. Right? And so I, I think this helps us think about even our own lives as we go through distress similar to Jonah. Is that we immediately, when something comes up, something painful, something, something hard, something distressful, something that we did not expect, is that our immediate conclusion is to go to, what have I done? Why is God doing this to me? Why is he punishing me? And there certainly may be a case for that. But could it be that our suffering is for our salvation and not for our punishment? Could it be that our suffering in this life, our distress, is not for our punishment, but for our salvation? And I would say to you, to this church, is that Hebrews 13 is really clear. Hebrews 12, Nikki. Is that God disciplines those he loves. And he doesn't discipline us to harm us, but to make us holy. And so maybe every time we go through distress, suffering, pain, turmoil, our first question shouldn't be, what have I done wrong? God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you punishing me? But maybe it's saying, God, what are you trying to do in me through this? What are, you trying to, what are you trying to change about me? What are you trying to sanctify me? 
Maybe, maybe, God, you're trying to work out something that can't be worked out any other way. And that's why I said at the beginning, is that maybe God chose to swallow Jonah with a large fish because there was no other way that Jonah, it was get, the point was going to get across to Jonah. And see, he had to do something quite miraculous to wake Jonah up. And maybe that's the case for us sometimes. Is that when something comes immediately up and we think, God, what have I done? Could it be that our suffering is for our salvation, not just merely for our punishment or discipline? It is for our good. And what we learn from this too is that in the midst of distress and despair is that Jonah gives us a good rubric for how to pray. Is that yes, there is confession. We, we acknowledge that we have sinned and done wrong and that's why we're in this situation. Is that we petition, we ask God for help because we can't, we can't, do, we can't do anything here. We, we are powerless in this situation. So, I, God, I need your help. And then we come to him with thanksgiving. God, thank you for your help. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve, which is death and hell because of my sin. Thank you, God, for preserving my life. This is a great rubric for prayer life. If you're wanting to pray in the mornings and you don't know what to pray, pray the Bible. If you want to know how to pray, pray. Confession, petition, thanksgiving. That's why we do this in our, in our service every Sunday. We want to teach people how to pray through the call to worship, through the prayer of thanksgiving and petition, through confession of sin, through all these things. And then ultimately, at the end, whatever our prayer may be, is that we can end with this stanza, this, this phrase, salvation belongs to who? To the Lord. Is that we come to our wit's end in whatever pit we may be. And we find out that God is the only one who offers salvation and the only one who can give it to us. This morning, like I prayed at the beginning, you may be here in a state of distress or despair. I don't know what you came from and I don't know what's going on in your heart or in your life, in your family, in your job. Maybe you feel a little bit like Jonah right now. That, man, you are sunk to the bottom. You've hit rock bottom. And you don't know where to go. Well, I would just urge you to entreat you, call out to God in your distress. He will hear you as he heard Jonah at the bottom of the sea. Call out to God in your distress. Confess your sins like Jonah did, acknowledging what he has done wrong and wronged God. Petition him for help. God, help me in my distress. And then give him thanks when he does deliver you in our distress God hears our prayers and he actually enters into our distress and our darkness in the pit of life that we have caused by our own sin that God enters into it to bring light and life into our death and into our darkness is like Jonah the true light and true life came to us and he was killed and he was put into the ground three days and three nights and he rose again came out of the pit of the belly of the earth to give light and life to all men to defeat death and darkness and despair caused by our sin this morning you are in death, if you are in sin, if you are have run away from God like Jonah did, 
disregarding his commands this morning, I would just ask you, call out to Christ and he will save you for salvation only belongs to him. He is the light and life in the midst of the pit and in the midst of darkness and he can deliver you from the pit of sin. And he is the only one who can. This morning, salvation belongs only to the Lord. I'm going to ask the band to come back up this morning as we, as they lead us out. This morning, if you are here and you have gotten yourself into a situation where you don't know where is up, you're, you're gasping for air, it feels like, at some point in your life. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. I would just ask to come talk with Dr. David. Come talk with me. You may be a believer or you may be an unbeliever. But we would love to press you into the Bible where God's people can cry out with God's words and find deliverance and rest in their darkness. This morning, if you are an unbeliever in here and you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the pit, I'm in distress, and I don't know where salvation, I don't know how to get deliverance from this situation. This morning, Dr. David and myself, we would love to tell you this. There is deliverance. There is salvation. And it belongs to Christ Jesus. And he opens his hands and offers it to you freely if you call out in your distress and place your faith in him. This morning, you can have that rest. Let me pray for us. God, us weak, needy sinners like Jonah who have gotten ourselves into situations that are dire, we know that we can call out to the God of the heavens and the earth who hears us and answers us in our distress. God, we thank you for that right now. We, we want to end this service by praying and thanking you, God, that you are a God who hears, that you have been listening to your people from the very beginning. In Exodus chapter 2, when your people were in bondage to slavery, they cried out to you, God, and you listened, and you heard, and you intervened and delivered, and God, you have done so once again, over and over, and most ultimately in your son, Christ Jesus. And this morning, as God's people, we thank you for that, God, that we have called out in our, in the midst of our pit and our sin, and you have answered us and rescued and delivered us. God, thank you. And I pray anyone this morning who is here, or who is watching on, who may still be in the pit of sin and death, that they know that they can find life and rest and peace and grace and truth and life in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Thank you, God. God, I pray. Let our prayer be our first inclination when we are in distress or when we are in joy. In Christ's name we pray.